Hey, it's Fiona and thanks for joining me for this episode of Diet Liberation where I'm talking about why is it so complicated to be able to eat healthily and just keep it going. You'd think it would be easy, wouldn't you? But for some reason we get all tied up in knots. So apologies for the slight cut in the beginning, but we're going to be going straight into why is it so complicated. Why is it so complicated to eat food which is good for you? Why does it just not last as long as we want it to do? (laughs) It should be so easy. And on paper, it is so easy, isn't it? And we absolutely know that eating more vegetables, more fruit, more good protein, less bad fat, more water, less sugar, alcohol and caffeine is the way forward. I mean, whether you want to have grains in your diet or not, whether you want to have dairy or not, those are kind of like the fine-tuning bits, really. So what is it that's going wrong? When we know, for years and years, before I got into doing the, the deeper dive work, I was working in the fitness industry. I was a trained nutritional therapist. I would give people diet plans. I would talk to them in detail about what they were doing, what they weren't doing. And I'd suggest things to eat, things not to eat, things to take away from the diet for a bit to see what was happening. And all of that has its place. But yet time and time again, women would come to me and they'd say, what is it that I need to be eating? And there seemed to be a theme here that people would do quite well for a while and then inevitably there'd be a falling off of the wagon (laughs) whether that was after a couple of weeks or whether it's after a couple of months usually not much longer than that some rare people would go away and then change their habits and then never ever come back but invariably women would come back and I know this because that is part of my story as well being good and I'm doing the inverted commas thing here for a while and then it not working or it's just not sustainable. Now that is part of the key there if it's not sustainable then you're not going to keep it going longer term and it becomes what I call a holiday diet where it's a bit like going on holiday you might do it once twice a year where you're really good and then you just don't do it and you go back to some old habits And maybe not completely, but you're just somehow not satisfied with what you're doing. Maybe it's because of how you look, maybe it's because of how you feel, but there's something that keeps you coming back to go, oh, I just haven't quite cracked it. And I've been thinking about this, I'm quite a thinker, so I do think a lot about why is it so complicated? And some of the things that I came up with are... If we go back to when we were little, food was so often used as a reward, right? And I'm pretty sure it's the same in your case as it was in mine. Um, It was used as a treat. We talk about having a treat, having something nice, having something yummy. Um, If you were good, you got something that was sweet, generally speaking. If it was a birthday or a celebration, there'd be special food, maybe cake, maybe special drinks. So we learned really really early on that food is used as a reward. 
And also, in particular sugar, it feels good to have it. It gives you that little endorphin rush. So that in itself is quite nice, right? It can be even quite addictive. And we also learn during this that food can be used to soothe. So because it's so pleasurable, if we are upset or a little bit scared or any of those kind of, um, I'm going to say negative feelings, and that's because that's the only word that comes to mind. But if we have any of those low mood feelings, let's say, then food is very soothing. And it's almost the, the equivalent of having a hug. When you have something to eat, it kind of, oh, you get that nice warm feeling. And maybe you do want a hug, but we don't always have that language to say, I want a hug, or that awareness that actually a hug might be just what I need, someone to just hold me for a bit. And and then, of course, if we're bored, we can reach for food because it's there all the time, isn't it? It's very rare that we're far from food nowadays with 24-7 shops and corner shops and access to it left, right and centre. Food is often the go-to for uncomfortable difficult or even low moods and emotions. So when we're using food in this way to soothe or to to help cope with our emotions, we then learn to emotionally eat. And we're going to come on to that in a little while. Because food makes us feel good and at the time of recording this, we are um, nearly 18 months, no, 15 months into the pandemic, which started in 2020. And I know from working in a whole food shop that people would come in and they'd get their little treats, whether it was the croissant or whether it was the, you know, tahini, shortbread, cookie, healthy. <laughs> people would say, well, at least we've got food and I'm looking for a little something to cheer myself up. And we know that that is what food does for us. And particularly then over the last year or so, there have been more people, I think sales of chocolate have increased, there have been more people using food in this way as a little pick-me-up to help us feel good. And of course we do, because so much of the other stuff that we would normally turn to has been restricted, taken away from us for short periods of time and there is always food. And then on the other foot, so to speak, food is demonised also. When you look at the diet industry, (laughs) which makes my knuckles rise every time, food is often described as bad or naughty, isn't it? Um, I know so many people who would say, oh, you're going to be naughty and have you know, fill in the blank, whatever, whatever you want to say, a glass of wine, some cake, some crisps, some chips. And they usually, you know, the kind of food that we know, we, is really not best for us to be having all the time, but they're called also naughty foods, treat foods, naughty foods. So we're getting these mixed messages about food. And of course, the diet industry, and particularly some which are much stricter than others, are suggesting that you don't have these food. These are sinful foods. Oh my God, the language that food is sinful. <gasps> Whoa, it just blows my mind. 
And we're made to feel guilty for even wanting this, let alone eating it. So therein starts the mixed messaging about food and what we should be having, what we shouldn't be having, what we uh, wanting to look like what we know you oh how dare you be happy when you are x size you know you should be aiming for that instead and often these messages are subliminal and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole today but the four things that really come up when I work with clients around and it's not the what to eat, it's the why can't I stick to it is the question. What is it that stops me from eating that way? When so many of my clients tell me that, oh, when I eat this way, I feel really good. But then something happens and I, the terminology is often I lose it, I fall off the wagon, I, you know, I, you know, slip up and <laughs> just then go down into a downward spiral because I'm kind of craving this stuff that I'm not allowing myself and within that is some wisdom to know the answer to the problem but that is one of the things that comes up and the reasons that I've noticed over the years are there are four main main not reasons there are four main um, issues which come up around this and I've kind of bundled them together a little bit and one of them is about giving the power away to somebody or something else which is one of the reasons why I now never ever tell anybody what it is to eat I can help facilitate that for you for your you know for your lifestyle and what you like and dislike and give some ideas, but I'm never going to be telling anyone what to eat. Um, because you need to hold the power for yourself. When we give the power away to a diet industry or a, a coach telling us what to eat, giving us that written plan, do this, don't do that, eat this then, don't eat that then, then we are giving our power away and we need to take the ownership back. So that is the number one thing. The second thing is around, as I talked about earlier, about emotional eating or self-medicating with food. So using food for other reasons than to fuel and for pleasure. And let's not forget about pleasure because that is so important, isn't it? That we are able to enjoy our food. There's something missing if you live off a diet of just plain protein and vegetables from here on in it's just so dull <laughs> and that's a that's a reason for falling off the wagon if ever I heard one not that there is a wagon but that is another reason the, the using food for means other than for pleasure and fuel um, and not that we never do that either um, but this is these are common themes and the two others which I find really fascinating are uh, trying to be too perfect or comparing ourselves to others. <laughs> and social media in particular is a good place to be able to do this when we look at someone else having something and we compare ourselves usually unfavorably to what someone else is doing either what they're eating or their exercise program 
and then we believe that we are not good enough. So there's the comparisonitis, I call it. Or there's this wanting to do it just perfectly, which can also come about by comparing. We look at others and we go, oh gosh, I'm not good enough. I need to be better than I am. And it needs to be perfect in order for it to be right. So those two, I, I call them the ugly sisters, come up quite often. And then finally, it's the sabotage element. And going back to what I said about um, earlier on about falling off the wagon or uh, slipping up or, you know, sort of having a moment of where, oh, I need to eat cake, (laughs) the I need to eat cake moment. And then the sabotage and then kind of going downhill um, because, of course, life is always going to happen. There is always, I think, going to be cake. I hope so. <laughs> so how to navigate that? And often, um, I'm going to give you a sneak peek here into the kind of stuff that comes up around sabotage, is because I'm not worth it. Ooh. And that is you know, not necessarily a quick thing. Yes and no, actually. And I don't ever delve into the details. We don't need to do that with the kind of work that I do. But doing the energy work around any beliefs that we have about ourselves, any patterns of behavior, which often but not always come from childhood around around our value and who we are as people. And that is key in the sabotage piece. Oh. So I don't know how that sits with you. I do try and keep these podcasts at under 15 minutes and we're nearly at that. And I don't think I've taken a breath, really. (laughs) There's a whole other thing around stress and eating, which I'm going to go into for another time. In fact, I'm just taking my pen and circling that to remind me. But I really hope that this has been food for thought. It's not because you're not working hard enough it's not because you're um you know you're not good enough at doing it it's not because you're not strict enough any of that bs it's because there's something else going on that you're eating for other reasons and this is no judgment because i've been there done that it takes a little bit of work but when we look at what the reasoning for why we're not able to stick to a healthy in inverted commas, plan for longer than what sometimes feels like a nanosecond, but usually a few weeks. It's often because of those four reasons that I've said. So maybe that's something to ponder. Maybe it's something to journal. And if you want to know more about the kind of work that I do to help women ditch the dieter mentality forever, kiss that goodbye, then email me, Fiona at the Life Reboot dot co dot uk and i'll see you soon